to tell you about Real Talk Memphis, the podcast, a new name for the same great show. So join me for great guests with great talk. It's Mondays, 6 to 7 p.m. on WYXR 91.7 FM, the TuneIn app, WYXR.org, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, go ahead and tell somebody. And it is 6 o'clock on Monday, March 22nd, 2021. You are listening to WYXR 91.7 on your FM dial. And I have a quick question for you. Do you know where your radio talk show podcast is? Real Talk Memphis starts now. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And uh, during that little interlude, I was able to find your Real Talk Memphis radio show. And here it is. I am Chip Washington, your humble host. Very happy to be with you on this Monday evening. Hope you are doing well wherever you are, Uh, not only here in Memphis or Shelby County, but wherever you might be out in this great big wide world we live in. Uh, this is WYXR 91.7 on your FM dial. And if you choose to listen to this show live, well, you can do so on the aforementioned station I just mentioned. Or you can go to the TuneIn app, put in WYXR in the search, hit play, and uh, here we are. Or you can go to their website at WYXR.org and listen to us live. Now, um, if you, um, you know, miss the show or, or you do think other things at other times, 
the Real Talk Memphis program is now a podcast. So you can uh, go to wherever it is you get your podcast to listen to this fine piece of radio broadcasting. And I really, really do appreciate you, and I really do appreciate the support. And uh, we're just going to make it just continue to grow. How, how about that? We're just going to keep lifting it higher and higher and higher. So uh, uh, Marquette is here with me tonight. He is producing. Adam is with me as well. The gang is all here. We are ready to go. And hopefully we will have a good hour of radio broadcast uh, broadcasting for you. And hopefully by the end of the show, you'll actually have learned something because, you know, that is sort of my goal is to uh, inform as well as to entertain. And hopefully we will have a, uh, you will think we'll have a good show tonight. I think we have a good show tonight. And by the way, a programming note, I will not be here next uh, Monday night. Real Talk Memphis uh, will be down, dark, whatever the terminology is next Monday. But we are here now. We are live and we are in living color. So if you all have celebrated or are celebrating a birthday, an anniversary, or a special occasion, I would like to congratulate each and every one of you, depending on whichever one of those it is. It's always nice to have another birthday, and it's always nice to have another anniversary, and it's always good to have a special occasion. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, yes, indeed. A uh, lot of news and notes to cover tonight, so I'm going to jump right into this. And uh, uh, first, before we get started here, a couple of notable deaths, at least in my world, um, and I don't know if many of you heard Elgin Baylor, uh, the all-star forward for the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, he died today at the age of 86 of natural causes. Uh, Elgin Baylor was one of the greatest basketball players the world has ever seen during his time, made 11 all-star teams, Just a, and he was a Laker executive, and his uh, statue is one of 10 or 11 that are out in front of the Staples Center in Los Angeles. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that, 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 that's, a, that's a big loss. And uh, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about uh, uh, someone that was someone that I knew uh, who um, was a really, really nice, nice man. He really was. Now, I go to the gym to work out uh, a few days a week in the morning, the 6 a.m. crowd, so to speak. I know it may not look like it, but I actually do work out. So, um, you know, I was leaving the gym on Friday morning, and uh, one of uh, one of the other regulars uh, stopped me and asked me if I knew uh, that this person you know, had passed away. And I was like, no. And uh, so they described him. I knew exactly who they were talking about. And, uh, you know, apparently uh, he, he died of a heart attack um, at a very young age. He'd be in the gym every single day, every single day. And uh, it's just it's stunning, uh, you know, when uh, someone that you see and that you know and you speak to and you laugh with every now and again uh, is no longer with us. So uh, my condolences to uh, Larry Lund and his family um, on his uh, sudden passing. Really, really good guy. Really good guy. And I'm uh, going to miss him. I was at the gym this morning looking over to my left where I would always see him. And, uh, you know, no, knowing he's no longer going to be there, it's, uh, it's going to be a little empty. But uh, we're going to carry on. And I know he's at peace and at rest uh, with our Lord. So uh, there is, for a lot of people in this country right now, 
something called spring break. You know, a lot of folks, it's weather starting to warm up. People are starting to get outside now and starting to enjoy it. Spring is here and uh, the whole nine yards. And uh, for the colleges and universities all over the country, you know, spring break is, is going on. It started a couple, three weeks ago, depending on where you are. And it's going to continue right on through March and probably into April. Um, in Miami, Florida, where a lot of people like to congregate down there on South Beach, uh, there are so many people. And if you've been paying attention, if you've seen the video uh, on TV of all of those people, I mean, people, 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 people everywhere. And no mask, of course, out there partying and doing their thing. So much so that the mayor of Miami Beach has imposed a curfew and a state of emergency, I might add, which means that uh, you partiers have to be off of the streets and off of the beach by 8 p.m. I said 8 p.m. Now, this is in Miami, Florida, right? Florida, warm weather. South Beach, you got to be off the beach by 8 p.m. It's a state of emergency. They weren't prepared for this. They didn't expect this. They didn't expect to see thousands of young people down there doing their thing. Well, uh, you know, last night I saw that they had to shoot some pepper pepper spray balls at folks to get them to comply, to get them to leave the streets and everything. So um, they have to be off the beach by 8. Restaurants have to be closed by 9. And they may impose this for the next two or three weeks because – um, I know a lot of us tend to forget things like this, but yes, there is still a COVID-19 situation going on with 50 plus thousand people being infected every day. Now, the deaths are down, the hospitalizations are down, the vaccines are taking place. Thank goodness for that. And by the way, if you haven't gotten your vaccine, get it. OK, there's no excuse. And I'm going to talk more about that in, in just a minute in terms of what goes on here in Tennessee. But. You know, here um, they've also lifted restrictions on uh, health restrictions on restaurants and bars that can stay open until 1 a.m. Now, Beale Street was packed this weekend. I'm sure the restaurants and bars will be packed this weekend. Uh, We do have variants that are running around out here, which I know that some of you uh, are trying not to hear about. But the, the the B117 or the U.K. variant is starting to become the dominant strain. It is 50% more transmissible than COVID-19, and it's 30% more deadly. So, you know, I think the uh, the doctors are very, very cautious about this and watching it very, very carefully. And uh, all we can say is if we can beat it with the vaccine, that would be a great thing to try to protect folks. But uh, so that's why it's very important for you to get your vaccination as soon as you possibly can. This afternoon, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee uh, announced that all Tennesseans over the age of 16 will be eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine starting April 5th. Once again, starting April 5th, all Tennesseans over the age of 16 will be eligible for the vaccine starting April 5th, which is two weeks from today. I heard this afternoon that Shelby County is actually going to start that particular element of it Next week, um, and this information literally just came out like five o'clock where they're going to start vaccinating folks, um, you know, pretty much everybody starting next week. So uh, watch the news and read the newspaper and uh, call the health department if you have any questions in reference to that. And if you um, didn't need any more uh, encouragement to go get your shot 
Krispy Kreme is on is is in on the act. Now, Krispy Kreme has said if you show a vaccination card, they will give you a free glazed donut. Well, that's great. So you get vaccinated for COVID nineteen, and then you end up you know in the hospital with a sugar coma because you know you're eating glazed donuts from Krispy Kreme. I like a good Krispy Kreme donut. I don't go there very often at all because they are very sweet and very sugary. But you know what? The commercials that you see sometimes that say free, 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 free. Well, it's free, free, free. If you show your if you show your vaccination card and you know to them, uh, they will give you a donut free. Now I'm still a little lost on the daily concept of this. You can if you what do you get in line, you keep showing the same card over and over and over again. What are the checks and balances on all of this? We need to do some investigation on this Krispy Kreme thing. But you know what? I guess if, it's, if, if, if they're trying to encourage folks to go out and get vaccinated and uh, get what they need to get done to, to stay safe and healthy and then have to go to the gym because you gained 45 pounds because you're eight, but that's, all another. that's a whole other story. But in any event, that's what they're doing. They're doing their part. Krispy Kreme is doing their part, okay? Uh, also, in, in uh, some news that was a bit disturbing, we all know about the, um, the incident in Atlanta where a gunman walked into three spas and killed eight people, six of them Asian, uh, of, Asian de- of Asian descent uh, a week or so ago. And uh, there have been uh, protests. There was a, a candlelight vigil at Shelby Farms last night here uh, by six o'clock last night, hundreds of people showed up for that. If you've been watching the news, they have had rallies all across the country. Uh, once again, we're dealing with uh, a situation where um, you know we're looking at folks that are being targeted because of you know their ethnicity, their skin color. You know, black folks, brown folks, Asian folks. You know, we we have these protests, we have these marches, and we you know we we we, we protest loudly. But at the end of the day, what good does that do? I mean, is it just become just a voice and a and, and a protest? Uh, because I've not seen much, you know, real change in terms of the dynamics of of uh, hate crimes and violence against other folks, you know, uh, since before George Floyd. So, you know, we need to match the actions of the protest with some real action and some real change. And that's really about all I'm going to say about that because it, it, it's, it's a bit upsetting uh, to think about. But God rest all of those who were affected uh, by those eight lives lost a week or so ago. Um, two more things I want to mention. Uh, Kojic, the Church of God in Christ, has uh, a new presiding bishop. Uh, he is J. Drew Sheard. Uh, he is going to be the new presiding bishop over COVID. By the way, his wife is a well-known, uh, well-known singer. Uh, Karen Clark Sheard is his wife, and she is, yes, a member of the world-famous Clark uh, Sisters uh, musical group. So congratulations to him. And um, March Madness is still in effect, and, of course, uh, they're playing games tonight as well. Um, I just want to know if your bracket has been busted sufficiently yet. Or are you still in it? You know, don't tell the truth. Tell the truth. If 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 you if you've ripped it up already, it's okay. Now you can just sit back and enjoy and relax. By the way, the University of Memphis is playing in the NIT tournament, and they have another game, second round game coming up later on this week. So go Tigers, go! With that, I'm going to take my first break of the night, so we can get into this 
program. What do you say? Uh, this is Real Talk. I am Chip Washington, your host. When we come back, we are going to kick things off with the president of the University of Memphis. He is Dr. Paul Rudd. This is Real Talk Memphis. We'll be right back. You're listening to Real Talk with Chip Washington. If you're celebrating a birthday, anniversary, or special occasion, shoot him a note and he'll read it on the air. Get involved and tell somebody about Real Talk. We'll be right back. This is the big O, Otis Redding. I was just standing here thinking about you. Thought I'd write a song about you and dedicate it to you. Take a listen. If you didn't go back to school this year, you're really not groovy. Maybe you feel that school is a drag, it just don't move you. But did you ever think about how square you look standing in an employment line because school didn't interest you? You're really hard to think about it. Without an education, you could only be a tramp. Go and shoes, no haircut, just plain old country. Don't worry about the fellas on the corner calling you green because you're in your future condition. You're really hard to think about. And furthermore, tell them that oldest red and say you're very wise because you'll be at the top when they get there. And if they make it, when they get there, if they make it, when they get there, if they make it, you really ought to think about it. Think about it, really ought to think about it. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Sam. I don't think Jim would mind if we just talk about a little school dropping out. Uh, education. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was reading a paragraph the other day that said a little bit of learning can be dangerous and uh, because today's job market, the smaller your education, the smaller your chances for success. True. So um, I would like to tell our friends, uh, don't be a dropout. Drop out of school today. You have less education than most machines. <laughs> That's just a, uh, a, a headaches, yeah, a little comments. figure of speech there. But really, it's a true thing. It, true. it doesn't sell uh, doesn't sell the dull, dirty, or the low-paying jobs. Right. You know. Right. But if we stay in school and try to get that education, the kids now really, they really do want to stay in school now. You know. And the ones that don't want to stay in school, watching the ones that are going to school. They really want to get on in there right. because it's so much right. happening. Right. Look, you, look, you're getting your studies. You're getting a chance you to play so with sports. Things. It's so, so many, many beautiful things in school that you can do, you know. So, uh, girls and boys, this is Sam. And I'm Dave. And we would like to say to you, don't, don't be a be dropout. Enough. Stay in school.
Live radio, ladies and gentlemen, live radio. So anyway, this is uh, Real Talk. Uh, this is Chip Washington. We are trying to get through things here, and I think we may have a, we may have a guest on the phone, do we? And who do we have on the air? Who is this? Dr. Adrian Johnson Williams. Dr. Adrian Johnson. You know what? I'm, you know, this is live radio, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Williams. And I really apologize for the technical difficulties, but I'm more happy that you have uh, decided to hang in there with us and, uh, and uh, spend a few minutes with us uh, chatting tonight. I really appreciate it. Technology is not always our friend, even old technology. You got that right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, um, so you are hosting a uh, pretty significant, what I would consider a significant event um, this week. I believe it's on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is all uh, to empower women. But, you know, what, dro- what really uh, drove me um, interest uh, to have interest in this story was really about uh, some of the stories that you're telling that we don't necessarily think about. And as I was reading, you know, sort of about uh, this conversation that you're going to host on Wednesday, we're going to talk all about that. Um, one one of the areas in particular that, that stood out to me was uh, when a woman um, comes out of prison, post-incarceration, how difficult mm-hmm. it is. And, and we don't really think about this because most of the stories we hear, to be honest with you, are about men. But we really mm-hmm. don't hear the stories about women and the challenges that they face uh, once they are reinserted into society. So if you wouldn't mind setting this up for us, kind of letting us know what the event is going to be and, and, and what it's going to include. Yes, of course. Uh, so uh, I am the founder and principal of Standpoint Consulting, and we offer consulting services to organizations all over the country um, to make sure their organizations work more effectively. Yes. Um, but one of the things that's most important to us is that no matter who our client is, we want to make sure that they're paying attention to the interests of the people who are most affected by whatever it is they're trying to address. Okay. And so um, I've chosen to have this event uh, in honor of uh, Women's History Month to focus on uh, one woman in particular, Yolanda Johnson, who's Mm. the founder of um, the Nail and Skin Bar, um, because I learned about her story of how hard it was for her to get a trade to get a trade and get a job and be able to make it right. after being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many hurdles in place, uh, which she'll tell us all about. Um, but I think what's really vital is that there are solutions that are possible if we would listen to the women themselves to understand uh, what the challenges are and really start to address those solutions. This is uh, really a, a fascinating study, and, and if you're just joining us, uh, we are talking with uh, Dr. Adrian Williams, uh, who is uh, uh, is putting together a very special conversation and, and uh, workshop breakout sessions the whole nine yards this Wednesday, and we're going to get more into detail on the how you can be involved in this. But but tell me if you will some of the some of the stories of the, the, that story in particular, um, you know, of her. Was she incarcerated at one time? Is that uh, is that she uh, was incarcerated at one time? Okay. Um, and I'm going to let her tell her story more in more detail. But I will say this: one of the things that became very clear is that while she was in the halfway house, she wasn't allowed to go to school. 
she wanted to go to school to learn a trade. Okay. Um, but she had to go to work and pay for being in the halfway house. And the only work that was available um, was minimum wage jobs. So she couldn't really do any work that was going to put her on a good footing to be successful after she got out of the halfway house. Right. Um, so, uh, and then there were issues of housing, which she didn't have, but um, one of our guests, Nicole Shawan Jr., will be talking about issues that um, women face with housing. Uh, and there are a number of other issues that men also face, but one of the things that's, I think, distinct about women is the issue um, of being uh, mothers and attempting to reconnect with children and have places to live where your children will be allowed. Talk about how difficult a hurdle that is, because, I mean, it really it really is uh, difficult enough, you know, as it is to sort of reinsert yourself into society again, post-incarceration, um, whether male or female. But it seems like the, the, there are more particular uh, issues that women have to deal with. Am I correct in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are. And a lot of it has to do with um, motherhood, quite frankly, um, and other issues surrounding the kinds of work that um, could be available to people with felony convictions. Uh, So if you think about just the housing issue, um, there's a we we put a piece on our blog and I invite people to check out the blog at standpointconsulting.com. Um, by Nicole Shawan Jr. about what about the housing challenges, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about how when you try to get housing, there you may be told that there's a certain amount of deposit required or um, that, you know, a, a place is available. But when they find out that you have a felony conviction, this one story was that the deposit was five times as much. They said you can take it or leave it. Either you pay five times the deposit amount or you can't stay here. And um, it's as if no matter what you went to prison for and that you served your time, you're going to keep being required to serve your time in perpetuity because of the label. So, I mean, that's so that's basically, as you said, because of the label, there's a stigma attached to that. And, mm-hmm. I, and, we're, and, we're, and we're still dealing with that. I mean, you know, you would think mm-hmm. that as time has moved along and we have seen story after story after story and we have heard about the issues and the challenges uh, that, uh, that, that folks go through, that there would be more change in that direction to want to help folks reestablish themselves. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, am I correct in that or are we still trying to uh, climb yeah, that I, mountain? Go there, ahead. Are, there are people out there advocating, but I think that when it comes down to who's actually making the decisions, yeah. ultimately, mm-hmm. that the people making the decisions aren't making them from the perspective of the people living the situation. Um, and so even in my work, I think about my work in that sense, that um, we try to bridge the decision makers and the people have to live with those decisions in whatever organization or institution we're supporting. And this is a prime example of that. So uh, once again, uh, you are hosting this event and tell us, uh, tell our listeners uh, just about everything that is going to uh, happen uh, in terms of this very special conversation and workshop you're going to have on Wednesday. Yes. So the event is on Wednesday, the 24th, starting at 4 p.m. I'll be talking with Yolanda Johnson about the Nail and Skin Bar Institute, the um, the organization she's starting to support women in getting licensed uh, as nail technicians, but also 
very importantly, in starting businesses. She likes to support the women who work for her in understanding how to start and run a successful business. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also be talking with Nicole Shawan Jr., um, who is also justice involved and who has uh, really created just beautiful art in her writing around experiences uh, like these. And I really invite people to uh, join us to hear from her. But also, um, she'll be offering a workshop uh, after the, the panel discussion for people who are trying to figure out how best to tell their stories so that they can do things like get support for um, businesses or, or nonprofits. Um, we'll also be um, joined by Heather Jamerson, who um, has been a faculty member at Rhodes and teaches about what's called social entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. so using business to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also is the co-founder of the 275 Food Project. Um, and then we'll have uh, representatives from Epicenter and, and uh, Momentum Nonprofit Partners to talk to people who want to start either businesses or nonprofits because they've, ident- they've lived a life that has identified a social problem and they think they have a solution. We are uh, wrapping up the last few minutes with Dr. Adrian Johnson Williams, and this really sounds like a a a a, a, a fascinating um, uh, event that you are that you are hosting and giving people a chance to not only uh, be able to interact. Uh, ask questions, talk about some of the challenges uh, that folks face, but that those challenges don't define you and that there are opportunities out there, but you just need to know where they are and how to get to them and how to achieve them. Am I correct in that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And also you may be the person with the solution. So just because you went through something that comes with a stigma, it doesn't mean that you can't be the one to prevent, present the solution. This is uh, this this is a really really uh, sounds like a great program, and I hope that folks uh, um, who are listening, you know, want to know more about this uh, to be a part of it. Can you give them some uh, contact information or how they can uh, yes. register? Go ahead, please. Yes, go to events plural events e v e n t s dot standpoint consulting dot com, mm-hmm. and you can find out more about the uh, organization and register there. Dr. Adrian Johnson-Williams, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us about this very uh, important conversation. And uh, thanks for uh, putting up with uh, some of our uh, <laughs> some of our technical <laughs> issues, because you know what? These things tend to happen uh, in any yes, event. Yes, they do. Yes, ma'am. But thank you so much and best of luck on Wednesday. And I uh, hope to invite you back down the road when you have some, uh, uh, some more uh, interesting um, uh, events uh, planned down the road. Thank you so much. Take Have care. a good night. Uh, you too. Thank you. All right. So there we go. We got uh, we got through that one. Uh, Dr. Uh, Adrian uh, Johnson Williams was with us and talked to us about her upcoming event. And listen, uh, you know we all face challenges in life. I mean that that happens. But it's not that you face a challenge, but it's how you overcome the challenge that you face uh, to not let that define you, but you define it. Um, by conquering it and moving forward. So thank you very much for that conversation. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we are going to effort uh, Mr. Justin Pearson. Many of you have heard about the Bahia 
pipeline project. Uh, it has got big press, and it, this is a major story. Not just a story here. This is a major story here, and I mean to the to the tune of not only citizens who are against it, but you have the political folks who are involved in this. Uh, the former vice president of the United States, Al Gore, was here um, advocating against it. So we're going to talk to Justin. Uh, he is uh, kind of one of the voices behind all of this. Uh, this is Real Talk Memphis. I am Chip Washington. You know who you are. We'll take a break, and we will be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington.
And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis, the radio podcast. Chip Washington, your humble host on this Monday evening. Very happy to have you with us. We've had a few radio gremlins in the studio, but I think we've eliminated those now. <laughs> We're ready to move on <laughs> to, uh, uh, to the rest of the show. You know, we talked about this earlier. Um, this uh, Bahia Pipeline uh, project has really been at the top of the news for quite a while now. And there are many, many, many people uh, in the city and the county, including, I might add, the, both the city and county mayors, members of the city council, members of the county commission, who don't necessarily think this is a good idea. And on the phone with me now is one of the voices, uh, the out front voices that uh, we hear and see um, speaking against this pipeline. He'll explain all of that to us. His name is Justin Pearson. Justin, you there? Yes, I am, Chip, and I'm so grateful that you have me here today. I'm really appreciative. Well, thank you so much for being uh, able to come on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. Well, first of all, uh, Justin, for those who don't know, and I can't imagine many that don't, explain what this Bahalia, uh pipeline project is and uh, then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of why it's not such a good idea in your eyes. Okay. Uh, the Bihalia Pipeline Project is funded by Valero Energy Corporation and Houston-based Plains All-American. They are seeking to move oil from Oklahoma down to the Gulf of Mexico. And to do that more efficiently, they're hoping to connect a pipeline that's about 49 miles long between the Valero refinery and a, a facility in Marshall County to send all of that oil for export to Saudi Arabia, China, or, or elsewhere. But what's important to remember is they're building this pipeline in a very particular community and area. Mm -hmm. And that, for Memphis, this concern is in southwest Memphis. Uh, and, you know, southwest Memphis, Boxtown, Westwood, yes, yes. Uh, communities that are predominantly African-American. Uh, and lower wealth or lower income, yet resilient. Mm -hmm. uh, and this pipeline uh, is being built right through that community just for the benefit of this multi-billion dollar company, uh, not to the benefit of the residents and the people who live here. So picking that particular part of town, and I think I remember hearing it, um, their reasoning is, well, it, it, it kind of provides them a straight line from, from where they are for, to where they want to go. And um, and obviously uh, there are uh, a lot of uh, residents at stake, uh, communities at mm -hmm. stake, you know, a as well. Why is this such a bad idea in your eyes? Yeah, this is the most environmentally unjust and environmentally racist, uh, one of the most environmentally unjust and racist projects happening in the country. Uh, it is uh, terrible for a lot of reasons, but let's just go through a few. One, they are misusing eminent domain to actually take people's land. And so if you're in the proposed route of their pipeline, they don't care if you say, no, thank you, I don't want this pipeline. They're actually right now suing citizens of Memphis to steal their land without their permission. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Scotty Fitzgerald and Clyde Robinson, who Birch Porter and Johnson are actually working pro bono to support. The second issue that we have is they are threatening every Memphis resident's drinking water. And you know, Chip, like I know and all of your listeners, that Memphis has some of the best drinking water in the country. Absolutely. Yeah. But the reason we have that drinking water is because we get our water from the ground, the Memphis Sand Aquifer, which is a few hundred feet below the ground. It's as big as the Lake Michigan, uh, and it's taken thousands of years in order for us to be able to get that drinking water source, which is why it's protected and why we should do everything to protect it. But here's the sad part. 
This pipeline company by Halia doesn't care. So they're building the pipeline atop the Memphis sand aquifer and through the Memphis Light Gas and Water Davis well field. So when the spoil when the spill occurs, it's going to contaminate our drinking water. We had an independent hydrogeological report done by Douglas J. Costler, thanks to the Southern Environmental Law Center. And you know what he found? What's that? One pound of crude oil will contaminate twenty five million gallons of water. And they're pushing 400,000, or hoping to push 400,000 gallons just per day through this pipeline. And you know, like I know, the New Madrid fault line is not far from this area in southwest Memphis. And so they're taking people's land, they're risking our drinking water, and they're putting a crude oil pipeline, or trying to put a crude oil pipeline, Mm -hmm. atop the most seismically active area in the southeastern part of the United States of America. It makes no sense outside of the fact that they called our community of Memphis the path of least resistance. Hmm. We are speaking with uh, Mr. Justin Pearson, and he has been a very vocal advocate uh, against the Bahia Pipeline project and uh, sort of breaking it down for us here on Real Talk Memphis. So, okay, we all know that, um, like you said earlier, our water is pristine. I mean, and, and it really mm-hmm. is some of the best in the entire country. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. How certain are you or the folks who are really looking into this, investigating this, um, that there could potentially be, uh, maybe realistically be, a potential problem uh, in terms of um, the construction of this particular project and its effect on our water system? Yeah, I'm 100% certain that if this pipeline was built, at some point it would spill, it would leak, and it would contaminate our drinking source. And the community of Boxtown Neighborhood Association, Westwood Neighborhood Association, Kathy, Kizzy, lots of families are in this fight with me. It's not just me. Right. Uh, and, and I want to honor that because here's the truth. The U.S. Department of Transportation said itself that only 7% of pipeline spills are actually detected. The company will tell you they're going to do 24-hour checks because they're waiting for a spill to occur. Right? They're, they're, they are preparing for a spill to happen and trying to be ready to react to it. There are just two kinds of pipelines. There are ones that have already leaked, and there are ones that are going to leak. And we're at a position now in our city and in our county to say, no, thank you. Uh, we don't want to risk our drinking water at all. And so we'll take zero risk over 1% chance risk at any time. Uh, this was an inheritance chip that we got from our ancestors, this right. clean drinking water. Right. And it should be something that we leave to our descendants. Justin, what is their sales pitch? What is their sales yeah. point? What what do they what do they say? You know, this will do to make things better uh, for us mm-hmm. and that for for that community. What's their sales pitch? Exactly, right. So we all know that it has no benefit for anybody in Memphis. But this is what they're going to tell you. They're going to say, "Well, this pipeline it's going to make us seven point six six billion dollars, but we're going to give a million dollars in philanthropy." They'll, they'll say, "Well, yeah, we're going to make billions." but you all will get $500,000 in annual taxes because we have this pipeline. That is 0.000038% of one year of their revenue. Mm. We're taking all the risk, and they're taking all the benefit to their uh, uh, shareholders in Texas. 
all the reward. So you have had some uh, pretty high-profile folks come out, uh, you know, uh, with you against this particular project, uh, none more so than former Vice President of the United States, Al Gore, a week or so ago. Um, and he had some, he didn't spare any words in his displeasure about what this project was all about. For those of us who didn't hear, tell us what he said about all this. He said it's, this pipeline project is three things. It is reckless, it is racist, and it's a ripoff. And he is just answering the clarion call of people in South Memphis, uh, the Batsville Bookers. He's answering the clarion call of uh, Ward Archer and Jim Kavarik at Protect Our Aquifer. He's, he is hearing the call of this community that's rising up, and he's telling the truth. And once we start to tell the truth, we'll get closer to justice, and justice looks like not having this pipeline there. But it's a racist, it's a reckless, and it's, it's a ripoff of a pipeline project. And they have a playbook chip that they operate with in order to exploit communities that are most vulnerable socially, economically, and politically. And that's what they're trying to do in Memphis, but they don't know the spirit of the people here. Well, I mean, it's, it, it, apparently the spirit of the people is um, has has really awoken um, mm-hmm. because you know we know the history of this 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 uh, this city and and this and this county is you know we're slow to move in in certain directions depending on what the issue is, but this has seemed to and I don't know that I'm wrong in this has really gal not just the community over there, but mm-hmm. I'm talking about the city council. Um, I'm talking mm-hmm. about the county commission. I'm talking about the Shelby County mayor. I'm talking about the the city mayor, and and mm-hmm. and so many other folks who are so. I mean, and now for governmental entities, you know, the the thought of getting you know some financial gains and things like that um, is that mm-hmm. that turns into a political thing. But everybody seems to be against this. I mean, even the politicians, and I'm not talking about just the local ones. I'm talking about the ones from the state house in Nashville too. Right. No, it is a, a great show of unity that our city councilors and today nine commissioners voted to oppose the pipeline by that nine members sell of land, and that Mayor Lee Harris and folks and people like Barbara Cooper, Representative Barbara Cooper and State Senator Ackberry and London Lamar and Jesse Chisholm, right, that this power is building. And it is unique uh, for many reasons, but it, it, is, it is unveiling something that I, I'm really fortunate to be a part of uh, along with my co-founders and, and our community to see that we can get together for common cause. Yeah. Right. And when it comes to protecting the most vulnerable, for those of us who are striving to be Christian and, and know that what you do unto the last, the lost, and the least, you also do unto me. For those who care about our resources, like our drinking water, these transcend whatever political titles you have, whatever ideologies you may hold. Because it is more important that we focus on the we in this city, uh, that we collectively can create justice, and we will collectively suffer. And Kizzy says this all the time, that when one community suffers, we all suffer. That's right. And that ideology is what is becoming so pervasive in our city, and that's why we're going to be triumphant in ending this pipeline. So um, as, 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 as we're about to close here, tell me, how long, where are we in this fight in terms of if, if we were going to use a football analogy, you know, what quarter are we in? Where, 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 where are we going from here? I mean, how much longer mm-hmm. is this fight going to be in your, estimate, your estimation? Mm-hmm. We are running a marathon. Uh, not a sprint. Not a sprint. Okay. And so we need folks to take breaks. We need folks to drink Gatorade. Uh, we need folks to uh, rest, and we need folks to work. 
uh, and join us at memphiscap.org or on Facebook, Memphis Community Against the Pipeline-MCAP. But we are starting to see some really great progress in this movement with the entire city council, 13 and 0, yes. uh, saying we oppose this pipeline, yeah. 13 and 0, yeah. saying we're going to protect our water because we know how important it is. And today the county commissioners getting up there and saying we're not going to help this company at all to build a pipeline that would do damage to the people in our community. And so we're starting to continue to see the momentum build. But what you're doing, Chip, and I really appreciate it, is continue to inform, continue to educate people so that we can be activated in a community. We can all get behind this. All 600-plus thousand of us in the city and million in this region, we can galvanize as one community, black, white, wealthy, not wealthy, to say that our people matter and that our water matters. Well, Mr. Justin Pearson, keep up the fight, young man. Uh, you are, are really uh, uh, quite dynamic in terms of I've heard you on several interviews, and I was really happy uh, that you were able to take some time to come on my show tonight and talk a little bit about this. Somehow, I don't think you nor half the residents or anybody in the Memphis and Chevy County is going to give up on this uh, until victory is won. And I just want to yeah. say, and I just want to say, uh, continue the fight. Keep the momentum up. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, will you do me a favor and keep us surprised of uh, uh, any any big steps uh, you know, as, as progress starts to move forward um, you know, against this project? I will definitely do that. Really grateful for the opportunity. And together we will win. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for talking to us. Are you and, interested uh, in sponsoring we'll, the show? We'll talk soon. And want to support WYXR at the same time? Okay. To find out how, uh, email us at sponsorships. Mar- Marquette has hit a break. <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, man, that was a great conversation with Justin. I, that was, I mean, this young man is passionate. He is intelligent. He is a thoughtful spokesperson, and he cares about the city and the county and this community. And uh, this 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 campaign uh, bears watching, uh, to be uh, sure. Well, listen, that about wraps it up for me tonight. Uh, I hope that uh, in spite of everything else, you enjoyed the show. Uh, because uh, at the end of the day, it's all about the guests and it's all about their voices and, uh, you know, what folks are doing to try to make things better. Speaking of that, um, I hope that you will continue uh, to support uh, Real Talk Memphis, the podcast. Uh, You can hear us on Spotify, you can hear us on uh, Google Play, you can hear us on Apple Podcast, or as I said on a video earlier today, and I always wanted to say this, wherever you get your podcast, so (laughs) I'm excited about that. But thank you so much to my guest, thank you to you, the listening audience, and I hope uh, that uh, next time we uh, reconvene and get together, we'll have a good show for you as well. So in the meantime and between time... I'm Chip for Marquette, for Adam. We appreciate you. We love you. Please continue to support us and support each other. I'm Chip, and I'm out.